Well, good morning. How are we? It feels like it's been so long since Sarah and I were out here, but I think it's actually only been a couple of months since before Christmas. So, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and all of those seasonal greetings. It's nice to see you again. Now, I didn't do this over summer. I'd like to say that I did, but it was a whole year ago. Have you ever been on a tramp, on a long walk in the middle of the bush, hut to hut, long days walking? Nobody. Has anybody, okay, I'll try again. Has anyone been on a tramp? Yes, okay, a few people. Now, some friends and I, we, um, we're getting into tramping. Let's say that. There are some that are more able than others. Oh, you know it's true. In every tramping group, there are those that are more able than others. And we decided uh, this time last year that we were going to do the Hefe track, which is a beautiful track to do. And it recommends that you do it in four to five days. And we went, well, we're young and fit and healthy, and the huts weren't available, and so we would do it in three. And I recommend that you do it in the recommended time of four to five days. So we would have been about five hours, maybe a little bit more, into the first day, with a number more hours to keep walking. And it started to rain. Not just like a little drizzle, like proper rain. We were drenched. And as we wandered on, the singing got slightly less and the talking slowly died off. And then we rounded the corner. And there before us was a massive, beautiful hut emerging from the fog. You could see the smoke billowing out of the chimney. And through the double-glazed windows, people were playing puzzles and drinking hot drinks. They waved at us, and we waved back, and you know we weren't stopping there that night. <laughs> and we put our heads down and kept walking in the rain. <laughs> so nice. We had hours to keep going, and we kept walking in the rain. And eventually we came around another, another big corner, and way out in the distance, way out to our right, was another hut. And we were a little bit uh, excited to see that hut because uh, we thought that was ours. And then the, then the track bent in the wrong direction. And it, and it wasn't. And then a little bit later, it kind of tilted back around towards that hut and it's, oh, maybe it is. And then it kind of went back the other way and we were right, winding back and forth across the tussocks in the rain, absolutely stunning, but soaking wet. Until eventually we came across a little marker on the side of the track that said one kilometre to hut. We'd made it. That's right, Julia was there and there was, there was joyful noises when we saw that sign. And we made it to the hut. Hooray. Yeah, yeah it's, thank you. Um, we made it. We made it to the hut. That was the goal for the day, was to make it to the hut. Sun or shine, rain, whatever was coming, we were going to make it to that hut. That was the dream. That was the goal. We knew that rain was a possibility, but it wasn't exactly something that we, we wanted on our track. We knew that the first hut that we passed was one of the great walk huts, so we knew that it would be nice, but I certainly wasn't expecting it to be as nice as it was and to be as warm-looking and inviting as it was for the people inside to be, come in, we've made hot chocolates. 
and to just have to keep walking. But if we'd stopped that hut, that wasn't where we were going to be going on the track marked out for us. Our goal, our dream for that day was to reach the next hut so that the following day we could reach the next one so we could get out on time. We had to walk the track marked out for us. Regardless of the rain, regardless of the comfortable space that was available for us to stop, we could have stopped at that first hut. But it wasn't the track marked out for us. We all have dreams and goals, right? We all have aspirations. I'm not talking about dreams, you know, at night. But maybe dreams to raise a healthy family. Dreams to get a good job, to buy a house, go to school or get an education, go to university. For some, it's to go to a trade course or get an apprenticeship. Maybe to start a business or to expand a business to hire more staff or have an increased wage. Maybe it's to engage media or see community transformation, see poverty decline, see the church flourish, for people in our school and our workplaces to know Jesus. We all have dreams, big and small, and we all have tracks marked out for us. And yet if life is anything like the way I sometimes live life, it can be hard. Dreams can be so big sometimes, so unattainable. Who am I that I would have a dream so audacious as that? And we can become a little discouraged in the dream. We weren't expecting as many things to kind of pop up in the way, so many distractions or, or better options. Sure, we know that there are possibilities, but it's not really what we desired or what we wanted. So we can hold off, think smaller, justify less. But God, but prayer, but Jesus. Romans 12 12 and 13 says this, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. In 2 Kings, we meet a Shunammite woman and she has met a man that we know as Elisha. And over the course of a few weeks and months and years, she gets to know this, this man reasonably well, and she practices hospitality. She has him in for some meals, and she builds him a room so that whenever he's passing through that part of town, he has somewhere to stay. And one day, Elisha's sat up in his room with his, uh, with his travel companion, with his servant, Gehazi. And he says to Gehazi, how can we ever repay the Shunammite woman for what she's done for us? She's been so good to us. How can we Repay her. And so they call her in. How can we say thank you? She leans in the doorway and she goes, I, I really don't, I don't need anything. I've got a home among my people. Thank you, but that's fine. And Elisha and Gehazi are going, okay, but we really, really want to say thank you. So they call her back in. 
And Gehazi says, she doesn't have a son, and her husband is old. And so Elisha says to her, this time next year, you will hold a son in your arms. A dream that she's always had. Now, I expect to read the next little part and see how excited she is, how overjoyed she is that that through the power of God, through Elisha, has prophesied that this time next year she will have a son. And yet we see a different response. She says, no, my Lord. No, don't tell me this. It's been a dream I've had for so long. Don't tell me it's going to happen if it's not. You can hear her saying, I've known disappointments before. Don't promise me something if you know it's not going to happen. You know this is a desire of my heart. You know this is something I've longed for. You know this is a dream that I've carried. Don't tell me if it's not going to happen. But the woman became pregnant. And about the same time next year, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had said. The dream had begun to now grow inside her, and she birthed her dream. As the boy got older, he became sick and unwell, and as he was lying in his mum's arms being comforted, he passed away. So his mum stands up, places him on the bed. And I love this. She calls to her husband. She says this, Please send me one of your servants and a donkey so that I can go to the man of God and quickly return. Straight away, she knew where she had to go. She knew to whom she must run. She knew that it was the power of God, the man of God, Elisha, whom she had to go to. The thing that was once alive inside her, that dream that she had birthed and was beginning to raise and had all of a sudden crumbled apart. The thing that she loved so dearly had died in her arms. That thing that she had, and now she knew it is to Jesus I have to run. It is to the power of God that I need to go. And I love that she says to her husband, not you fix this. Look what's wrong. Don't you know? What she says to him is, help me seek God. She turns to her husband and says, help me go and seek the power of God. Now, being a really helpful husband, he says, why go today? It's the, it's the wrong time. Don't go bothering him yet. It's the wrong time of year. And She says, too bad. I'm going anyway. Because she knew. She knew that she knew that she had to go to the power of God. As she's going to meet Elisha, Elisha sees her from a long way off and he sends Gehazi out to her. And he gets to her and he says, what's wrong? Clearly you're in distress. Is your husband arrived? Is your son arrived? Is everything okay? And she replies, yeah, everything's fine. Everything's fine? No, it's not. Your son has passed away. Something you held so close has gone terribly wrong. Everything's not okay. 
I wonder sometimes do people ask us if everything's okay when life is throwing us some unexpected curveballs. And we go, yeah, everything's fine. But I see in her a determination. Gehazi is not the power of God. Gehazi does not represent to whom I must run. She knew that she first had to go to God with her issue. She knew she had to take the dream that had died and place it back at his feet. Eventually she reaches Elisha. And she pours it all out at his feet. Didn't I tell you not to promise me something if it wasn't going to work out? Didn't I tell you I didn't want this if it wasn't going to be true? She didn't know what, um, what Elisha's response would be. But she just came to him with all of her feelings. All of her dreams, she said, look, here it all is. What an encouragement to us that we can go to God, stand, kneel, lie at the feet of our Savior and say, have it all. When things aren't going the way we want, we just pour it out to him. When things are going well, when we're able to make those decisions in life that are pleasing and expanding and exciting, we can put them back at his feet. But also when they fall apart, when life gets hard, when those dreams that we have become so unattainable, too big for us to understand or, or complete. It's Jesus whom we run. Jesus, again at the center. He is our focus. He is our provider, our sole attention. Other people came to try and help, and she said, no, it's to Jesus I have to run. Each of us, we have people in our lives when things go wrong that we can turn to. Maybe it's a husband, a wife, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a sibling, a best friend, someone that we can turn to when things aren't going well. And how good is it that they can help us process what's going on? Help us understand some of the feelings and sit with us, cry with us, be excited and celebrate with us. But how often do we turn to them and say, would you help me seek God? Would you help me fix my eyes on Jesus again? Would you sit with me but help me keep my eyes on Jesus? He is the one to whom I'm placing my dreams back again at his feet. Maybe you don't have those people that you can sit with. Life groups are the best place to do this. If you are not part of a life group, if you're sat in church here this morning and you know that you're not part of a life group during the week, join one. Because not only can they help you process the things that, go, that don't go well sometimes, but they celebrate the times that things go really well. They keep, help us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, encourage us in our faith, have meals with us, care for us. If you're not part of a life group, talk to someone and let's get you in one. We all have dreams and aspirations. Maybe you're sitting here and going, I don't really have much of a dream. Would you ask God? In the same way Elisha asked the Shunammite woman, what is it that we can do to say thank you? 
Would you simply tell God what it is that you desire? What are the things that, you've, that you want, that you desire to have, that you desire to see fulfilled, that you desire to do? Would you just take those to Jesus and ask him? And when carrying the dream, be so thankful, grateful, and remember it is God who has provided. And when things turn rough, doesn't promise that things will get easy. When things don't go as planned, turn and run to God. Seek help to those closest of you, but ask them, help me chase Jesus. For some of us, there are dreams and goals, aspirations that we've had that we've given up or put by the wayside. You've become discouraged and thought, how can things get better from this situation? Why go on? It's raining on this track marked out for me, and there's a more comfortable space that I could stop right now. Maybe it's not the track marked out for you. Keep walking, following Jesus on the track marked out for you. Because our God, he's a God of dreams. And we see time and time again in the Bible, God who gives dreams to people and then sees them fulfilled. Joseph's rise to second in the land after multiple dreams prophesied to it. A man whose dream told of Gideon's victory over the Midianites, and it happened. Solomon, who in a dream was offered whatever he desired, and he chose wisdom, and now he is known as one of the wisest people to ever live. Nebuchadnezzar, who saw a great statue crushed by a stone, symbolizing the greatness and coming of God's kingdom. Joseph, who in a dream saw that he was going to raise the Son of God, and he did. And if he's done it before then he will do it again. With 2021, our dreams begin to rise again. When we are too scared, too tentative to take that step, to try again or to step out, we'll be filled with courage, filled with a boldness that comes from God to dream again, to ask again, to say, God, you've done it before. Would you do it again? Revive my dream. The Shunammite woman didn't know what Elisha would do. She just took it to him and laid it at his feet. And whatever comes against me, whatever stands before us, the track marked out for us, the disappointments and distractions, God would you be our focus? Would you have our attention? Whatever you ask, we will do it. We'll be obedient. We will pray and seek you. It doesn't have to be in a big, loud moment, full of tears in any particular place or circumstance. I heard someone say this about prayer. The power of your prayer doesn't come in volume, but in the power of who is behind you. The power of your prayer doesn't come in volume, but by the power of who is behind you. 
And my Bible says in Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? That is who stands behind us because your prayer changes things. Taking it to God changes things. It can cause dead things to come to life. It can change situations and circumstances because God is behind you. I'm going to invite the band to come and join me back on stage. As she's pouring her grief out to Elisha, Elisha says, I will go with you. And he goes back to her house. Now, the Shunammite woman didn't know that that's what he was going to do, but he did. And he comes back to her house, goes up to the room where she's laid him down, and he heals him. He heals the son. The answer came in an intimate moment. It came in some alone time with the power of God, with the presence and power of God. And Elisha says, call the Shunammite. And he did. And when she came in, he said, take your son. She came in, fell at his feet and bowed to the ground. Then she took her son and went out. We see here that she comes into the room. She falls at his feet, thankful and grateful, aware that it is not her that has revived the son. It is nothing that she has done, but she has taken it to the power of God. And it is the power of God who has seen that dream revived again. And she went out. She claimed the promise once alive and well that was snatched away, now fully revived. Can you imagine her joy and her excitement? Telling her, fr- her friends and her husband, look and see what my God has done. See, when our dreams and aspirations, when they come to pass, when God fulfills them, it's to make us look great. No but so that we can turn and say, look and see what my God has done. This dream that I had that I thought would never come to pass, look and see what my God has done. And when people look, when people see, you say, let me tell you about him. Let me tell you about his love for you, that he has a purpose for you, that the things inside you that he wants to see revived, about you, that he lived and died and was raised to life again so that you and I can have relationship with him. Not to make us great, but to point to him. To testify to the goodness and faithfulness, the gospel of Jesus, that it came for all people. Would you stand with me if you're able this morning? Just for a moment, I want to pray for those things, those dreams, those aspirations that perhaps we've let go of or put to the side. The track marked out for us has become a little difficult. And we're wondering, is the space just better just to stop now? And life can be so hard sometimes and so difficult. But right now, would we just place it back at the feet of Jesus? Give him the desires of our hearts, those things he's placed inside each of us. And say, God, would you have it all? 
I'm pouring it out. My grief, my frustration, the difficulties. I don't know, God, what you're going to do with it, but I know that you are good. I know that you love me. I trust that you know me. Take them to him. Bring them to him. Pray and seek his face. God, this morning, we place it all back at your feet. We thank you that you are God. Name above, beginning and end. God, you don't just know our dreams, our aspirations, our goals, but God, you know us. We just say whatever's coming against us at this time, the highs, the lows, the decisions, the choices that we have to make. Do we step out? Do we expand? Do we pull back? Do I give up? Do I stop here? God, we just give them back to you and say, would you have your way? And if it's your will, God, would you revive them? Would you restore to us those dreams? Place dreams inside of people. Not to testify to how great we are, but how good you are. That would point people to your son. That testimonies from this room would testify that Jesus lives. That we would be able to say, look and see what our God has done. You've got to come and hear. You've got to come and see. Would many people know who you are? In Jesus' name, amen.